Ladies and gentlemen, okay, there we go. All right, fine. That works, I guess. Um, give me one second because it's the, the camera's a little higher angle than I was expecting it to be. Um, but it should be fine. There, there, uh, uh, wait, a little too low, perhaps? Yeah, I don't know. We had to move the camera into this room from the other room. So uh, the, the angle's a little weird. Yeah, give me just a, maybe a, a half sec to adjust this bad boy. <laughs> ah! Yeah, see, this is not... It's weird with just me here. Like, I don't know what angle to put this camera at because um, I want to be able to look at it, but I also... It's kind of, It's very strange. The camera's facing this way, but, like, anytime I adjust it even the slightest to face back towards me, it picks up some boxes in the background. Anyway, hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, I'm flying solo tonight, again, because Stormberry is uh, is at a wedding with his his woman, uh, his, his, uh, his girlfriend. So, it's just me. This is all you get. I'm sorry. I, I know that must be disappointing. Um, but it's, I, I hope it's fine. I hope you guys are okay with it. Uh, that's really all I had to say about that. Anyway, tonight we're going to be talking about, uh, about Todd Guybe and Smiley Face Killers. And I want to be clear that I have not had a chance to look too deeply into the Smiley Face Killers yet. I'm working on it and getting there. Uh, but... But um, it's going to take a while. This is going to be probably our new Missing 401. Uh, we've made our way through basically every well-documented Missing 401 case that we could get our hands on. Anything past this point is now coming down to really just not being particularly useful. Uh, because you get into the weeds of, all right, well, David Politis is really the main source for this. And we have to go based on what he says. And I never like to have just one source. Uh, so as I was looking for, for new Missing 401 stuff, uh, I came across the case of Todd Guy. And it was listed as a Missing 401 uh, in, in, some, in some places, but it also was primarily listed as a smiley face killer story. And I had, I had heard of the smiley face killer. I, I had never looked too deeply into it. There are a couple of people who have been called the smiley faced killer, but beyond that, uh, we, we can't really... I can't really say that there's a concrete theory here. Now, like anything, uh, the cops who tend to suck at investigating murders, um, they claim there is no smiley face killer. The, these are not murders. They're all accidental drownings. Absolutely nothing could possibly have been foul play here. There's 45 different cases. All of them are centered around the Great Lakes. I look at it and yeah, do I think that the smiley faces are necessarily uh, involved? No, there are smiley faces all over the place. You can go to basically any forest and you will probably find a smiley face spray painted onto a tree. Uh, it's it's just going to happen. You know, that's that's what you can kind of expect. Also, I'm going to move this this over here because there we go. That's better. Uh, so... The smiley faces, in my opinion, I'm I'm not confident that that is actually anything to do with the murders. On the other hand, the the profile, the method in which these people have been killed, seems very, very, very much like a pattern. Uh, like, perhaps organized crime, or less likely due to the geographic variance, a serial killer. Now, of course, I'm going to go through and look at the timing and everything, because... Yeah, there are cases that are in Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana, uh, Illinois, 
Um, I think Ohio as well. Point being, there's a lot of these cases generally centered around like Lake Michigan. Uh, and then sort of, you know, for, further south, but this, this general Midwestern area. Now, if there's a cluster in Indiana, and then a couple years later, there's a cluster that starts up in Michigan, and then a couple years later, there's a cluster that starts up in Wisconsin, if these aren't happening simultaneously all over the Midwest, then yeah, I'm at that point, I'm very curious about, is this in fact... A serial killer but if you've got killings that are in indiana in illinois in uh in you know missouri in all of these different states at the same time seems very unlikely to me that that is one individual especially with the the hallmarks of some of these cases and todd guide is the only one that i've looked into super deeply so far but what i will say is that if the general consensus of the police is that deaths like that of Todd Geib are accidental alcohol or alcohol related drownings then I don't believe that a single one of these is an accidental drowning based off the one that I've looked at so going into this I'm very much of the opinion that what we're dealing with here is in fact organized crime or at the very least a pattern of copycat killers possibly following after after one but, uh, like I said, haven't looked too deeply into it yet, and I'm, I'm hoping that I'm able to do that sometime in the near future. What I would like to do tonight is quickly go through everything that happened to Todd Geib and kind of explain, because I saw some comments that were like, oh, well, it was probably, you know, I don't understand why you think this was a murder. It could have been, uh, you know, an accidental drowning because he, he was on this cocktail of medications. No. Uh, and, you know, I think... I think a lot of people watched the video and sort of came, didn't quite grasp the extent to which he was under the influence of these drugs. I'm sorry. I need to, I need to figure out this camera issue. Like it's, it's actually driving me insane. Give me one second. Yeah. Still not better. Um, this is actually driving me a little, a little nuts, but yeah, like why why that that shouldn't be catching me like that. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I give up. I I I give up on the camera stuff. This is this is why we have Aiden, is because I I'm frustrated now because the camera's completely off center. It looks entirely off center. Anyway, anyway. As I was saying, oh my god, it's it's gonna drive me nuts. It's actually going to drive me insane that this camera is is not at a, a proper like I'm facing directly into it. I know what the problem is. I know what the problem is. The problem is me. The problem is that I'm I'm stupid. And I could just move the camera around on here like I wanted to. And uh and yep, yeah, now now it's kind of more where I wanted it. There we go. So, this is the by the way, the, the reason that we had this issue is that uh I I <laughs> I went to set up the stream tonight, and despite the fact that the camera worked perfectly fine last time, it, it decided that it just wasn't going to turn on. So that was very exciting. I had so much fun. Anyway, back to the story at hand. One of the most common comments I saw was, well, I don't see why this cocktail of drugs couldn't be something that, you know, he had. And I think a lot of people were under the impression that, oh, Aiden's just not familiar with antidepressants and the fact that they will prescribe more than one. And, you know, if one doesn't work, they'll prescribe another. Yes, I was on Lexapro and then I was on Zoloft. I went through this exact experience. The reason I said that uh, it was very unlikely he took those two drugs together 
is because A, he wasn't prescribed either of them. B, nobody around came up as being prescribed either of them. Uh, those two drugs are not prescribed together, nor would you prescribe one after the other, because if one didn't work, then the next one probably also wasn't going to. But the point is, you would never, th those two drugs would never be prescribed to the same person at the same time. So if Todd was on amitriptyline and it wasn't working and they decided they were going to put him on disipramine, they would not have said, take both of these. They would have said, stop taking the amitriptyline and start taking the disipramine. But there was also no evidence that Todd was prescribed either of these medications. Uh, and according to his family, he wasn't on antidepressants. So it's not even an issue of like he was getting them from somebody who was not a licensed pharmacist. And that's why he just wasn't on these medications. Uh, additionally, these are not party drugs. These are not drugs that you would take to get high. They don't cause that kind of thing. They... Uh, they, they are sedatives, essentially. It's, uh, and, and not like, you know, if you take, if you take Xanax or Ativan, um, then it, it can kind of give you a sort of very, like, mellow high. Uh, this is not like that. This is just gonna knock you out. Like, it's just gonna put you to sleep. And the levels of it that he had in his system would have knocked him out. Like, he would not have been able to walk to the lake. It's not like he takes these and then over the course of five to six hours, he just gets worse and worse. No, if he took that much of these drugs, he would have been knocked out. He would not have been able to leave that party on his own. Um, and it's, it's very unlikely based on the descriptions of Todd that he would have been taking anything as a party drug, that somebody slipped him a pill and he, he took it and decided that was what he wanted to be doing with his evening. That just doesn't, doesn't stack up with the way Todd is described by the people in his life. So when you look at that, there's, there's that fact. There's also the fact that if he was prescribed these medications, he would have had explicit orders not to drink alcohol with them. And the amount of it he had was far more than the, the prescribable dose. This would be like he took an entire bottle of the pills and then went to a party to go drinking. So it's just... It is completely off the table that he voluntarily took those drugs at the party. Uh, also, when you when you consider the other aspects of it, he simply was not he was not in that lake for 21 days. I think this is kind of the problem that people tend to have with with cases like this. And when you have kind of a normalcy bias is you want to look at what happened to Todd and be like, well, it is possible that every single one of these things was, in fact, a coincidence that he did. Uh, drink too much and take these drugs and then he walked into the lake. Well, like with missing 411 cases, the dots don't actually connect. Yeah, he could have taken those drugs. Yeah, he could have accidentally ended up in the lake. Yeah, uh, like he, he could, he could have been, uh, you know, just high off his ass. But he can't have taken the drugs and then walked to the lake an hour later. He can't have taken the drugs and walked through that thicket to the lake. He can't have taken the drugs, walked into the lake, accidentally drowned, and then not decomposed for 21 days. Uh, yes, the autopsy says moderate decomposition, but the way that he is described sounds like very light decomposition. We have no insects, we have no algae, we have no uh, really no degradation of the body's structure, and he wasn't even found floating in the position that a body should float in. 
He was not, I, I, I don't know, maybe people didn't quite understand. Todd was not floating like like this, you know, the way you, you kind of, when you see a, a body in the water in a TV show, or even if you've seen a body in the water, they don't float like straight up and down. The way he is described is straight up and down. You float with most of your torso above the water because of all the gases. So Todd was not, uh, was not in the water for 21 days. Also, I'd highly recommend that you guys go and you look up the results of Dr. Benbow's study. I, I couldn't include them because they, they're pretty graphic. Uh, but those pigs that he put in the water for 21 days, they were gone. Like it, it wasn't, a, it was not a recognizable body. I, uh, <laughs> there's also the fact that, uh, the canoe was stolen and filled with beer the night before the body was found. Uh, the night before the body was found, the, uh, uncle and the nephew of Jim Wildey, uh, both were on the lake. Neither of them saw a body. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying all of this. I know I might sound a little like, you know, a, a little high and mighty maybe, but my point in saying this is that I understand why there is skepticism about whether or not Todd got into the water on his own. It is out of the question for, for many reasons. You know, maybe if you, if you're of this opinion, maybe go back and, and, and watch the video again. It is impossible. There is absolutely, there is no possible way that Todd Guide died in that lake on June 11th or 12th, 2005. That is impossible. It did not happen. I, what I do know is that the longer this case goes on, the more you can tell that it is a cover-up. That the Michigan State Police either could not be bothered to investigate or they chose not to investigate for some reason. I don't know what that reason would be, but it, it's, it is out of the question that Todd accidentally ended up in that lake. He did not. He, he, he was killed and he was put in the lake. As I said in the video, my theory is that whoever took him was somebody who had access to pharmaceutical drugs, who, I uh, who basically kidnapped him that night. Somebody probably familiar to him if he was willing to get into a car with them, which is what seems to have happened. Uh, it, no matter no matter how you slice it, Todd Todd scent trail only goes to to the the road. Uh, and and whether it was that he was dropped off at the edge of M thirty seven and White Road. And then he walked to the party from there, and that's where that's why his scent trail shows up. Possible could also be that you know he walked down and, and away. It's weird that he said I'm in a field. I, I don't know particularly what happened. I do have my doubts that that Todd ended up where they they thought. I do think he was disoriented. I do think he was probably more drunk than than people were letting on. Uh, and you know, that's, I, I don't think that necessarily means that he was being fed alcohol or that he was drugged or anything like that. It could just be that, you know, he, he was walking, he got turned around. I also think it's possible that maybe Todd was not going home. Um, that is one, one thing that doesn't really come up in any of these, these discussions on Todd Guy's location. Todd, you know, let me let me run through really quick the, the events of that night. Around 9.30 p.m., 
Todd is dropped off either at the edge of the property or at the edge of M37 and White Road. Todd walks to the party, which is about a quarter mile back from White Road. You And and, and I, I also need to stress, if you go and you look up basically any other version of this story that I came across, you will get incorrect information. You will. Because the the reports are very scattered almost every single news story gets at least one thing wrong i had to cross-reference like a dozen different news stories i had to go and look for police records i had to go and watch uh, a smiley face killers episode like there was a lot of dot connecting going on here and i i think that's that's probably one thing that we do here that people might not understand uh the the level of of work that goes into it is i check I try to corroborate every single source, and oftentimes that means that I have to check like eight different sources. That's not me trying to to brag or be like, oh, well, we're clearly the most uh, the most uh, you know the the most accurate on the internet. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is when I was researching this story, basically every single source I found was wrong about something. I'm also probably getting something wrong. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm perfect because I'm not, but I. Uh, the, the way that night goes is around 9.30, Todd is dropped off at this orchard party uh, on White Road. Now, White Road, quarter mile from the site of the orchard party. These parties were held two to three times every year on the Carlson property south of Ovid Hall Lake. Now, uh, Mr. Carlson knew that the parties were going on. They were thrown by one of his sons. And these were things that lots of kids in town went to. We're talking... Uh, you know, anyone between the ages of like probably 18 and 25 is is considering going to one of these parties. Todd gets there around 9.30. He parties for a little while. He's there about three hours and then he leaves. Now, the sources are extremely unclear and I don't think that you could really get to the bottom of what happened there without talking to his friends who were at the party, which of course I was unable to do. Um, but my point in saying that is Nobody's totally sure why he left the party. Some people say a fight broke out. Some people say that he just got tired. Uh, one source says he told his friends he was leaving. Another source implies that uh, his friends were not aware that he had left. At the very least, it seems like the uh, the designated driver may have called to ask where he was. So at the very least, that guy didn't know where Todd's location was. Um, could be that his friends were too drunk to explain what happened. And so the designated driver decided to call him and make sure he knew where he was. Anyway, the, the point is, uh, 12.47 a.m., Todd gets a call from the drunk driver. Or, sorry, the designated driver. <laughs> there were several drunk drivers that night, but Todd gets a call from the designated driver. Uh, am I getting this right? I think I'm getting this right. I believe Todd gets a call from the designated driver, probably to ask where Todd is. Unless Todd is the one who made the call, uh, in which case I'm not really... I'm not really sure why he would have done so because he didn't request to be picked up. He just said, I've had enough. So it seems to me like the most likely case here is that his friend who was supposed to be picking him up called to make sure that, you know, his friends were right. And he had actually left the party of his own will. That was 1247 AM at 1251 AM. Todd calls a female acquaintance and he tells the female acquaintance that he's, uh, he's in a field. Now a news article as well as the police reports say that Todd expressed to her that he was lost. Uh, I'm not sure how Todd could have gotten lost if he was just walking home. Because if Todd was just walking home, 
he would have had to walk a quarter of a mile south. It would have been the only direction that did not have trees on 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 the sides. It would have been basically if you're back where the party is, you are ringed in by trees on three sides. And then the only way that doesn't have trees leads directly to White Road. And there's even a little dirt path, uh, like a, a a car tire path that comes halfway to where the party is. It is very unlikely that if Todd was simply walking south to White Road so he could walk home, that he was uh, that, that he got lost. So the other possibility is that Todd was not walking home. Now, if Todd was not walking home, where would Todd have been walking? Well, he was a 22-year-old guy. As far as we know, he was single. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean he wasn't walking to a girl's house. I, I have to wonder. That does seem like it's probably the most likely outcome, having been a 22-year-old man. Uh, you know, the only reason I can think to leave that party early and not walk directly home would be if he was going to meet up with somebody. Now, from what I could tell, Todd did not do drugs. Uh, Todd was not um, really even the kind of guy to, to slip off. So I wonder, you know, maybe maybe Todd had a, a secret relationship. Maybe he met somebody at the party. Who knows? But the only way I see that Todd got lost is if he left the party and did not go immediately back home, which could have meant that he tried to go north, that he tried to go west, go east. He definitely didn't go north from the party because there is a very, very dense thicket of thorn bushes there that would have sliced him up quite a bit. And had he gone north and ended up in the lake, then he would have been covered in lacerations when they found him. And more importantly, when you're covered in lacerations and you die, you decompose a lot faster. Um, I, I also, you know, as we brought up in the video, uh, this is the exact opposite problem of Brian Laundrie, who was allegedly underwater for three weeks and decomposed completely. Todd was allegedly floating on the surface of the water for three weeks and didn't decompose at all. Uh, so it doesn't, it doesn't track. It doesn't make sense here. Um... Anyway, regardless of, of why he was lost, he was lost. He says, I'm lost. And then uh, there's either the sound of him breathing heavily or the sound of wind, according to the unnamed female acquaintance who told this part of the story. Uh, at twelve Between 1251 and 1257, after that second call drops, Todd attempts two more calls and then is never heard from again. Now... The female acquaintance was unnamed and does not appear to have been at the party. I wonder, was he going to see that female acquaintance? Because she was not the one who drove him there. It was very late at night. Why call her? I, I think he was going to see somebody. I don't necessarily know if that means that that person that he was going to see was the perpetrator. But that person would have been the last person to hear from him. Over the course of the next week, really the next few days, here, here's why this case frustrates me even more than most of the ones we cover. The very next day, nobody hears from Todd. By that afternoon, his family and some friends are out looking for him. They search the property and they also search uh, the orchard party area. I can't find confirmation that they checked the lake, but I would be very surprised if nobody at least went and took a look at the lake. And Abed Hall Lake is not huge, um, maybe half a mile long and, and a quarter mile wide. 
it's not a big lake. Uh, you would have seen a body floating if you if you looked. So I I I don't I, I don't see any way he was in the lake at that point. The next day, uh, there's another organized search, and then there's another organized search on Tuesday. For some reason, by I think Wednesday of that week, we're talking like three days after the kid's been missing, the police suspend the official search. I don't mean to... I, I, I think it's important that I make it clear how quickly that is. He seems to have been reported missing Sunday afternoon, just like 12 hours after he was after he was last heard from. His family's out searching Sunday afternoon. There was an official search with the police involved Monday and Tuesday. From what I can tell, it appears that they called off the search on Wednesday. Without finding a body, uh, with, with really no evidence that, that anything happened to him. They should have still been looking for him. Most of the searches we cover last, the, the organized official search, unless something is found that immediately points in a different direction, the search goes on in five to seven days. This one appears to have been maybe three. Couple that with the fact that all of a sudden, uh, after a massive search, a massive volunteer search, which involved helicopters, turns up nothing on Saturday, June 16th, and they plan a second one. So, so keep in mind, Todd goes missing early in the morning on June 12th. Afternoon of June 12th, his family and friends are out looking for him. June 13th, people spend all day looking for him. June 14th, people spend all day looking for him. Then on either Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, but I think Wednesday, and, and oh, by the way, basically every original article on this has been scrubbed from the internet. I could not, I had to use newspapers.com and the Wayback Machine to access any of this. Now, granted, often when websites undergo updates, they will archive a lot of the old articles, um, but those are usually accessible through an archive website. Not in this case. Uh, and I'm not going to say it's an absolute. It's not always that I can find archived articles, but it was a, unusually difficult for me to track these down. Um, as in, like, it seemed like some of them had actually been issued, like, like Wayback Machine had been issued takedown requests on several of the articles. Uh, so I had a really, really hard time tracking, tracking information down. June 18th, there's a very large search. They found nothing. They had planned another one for uh, the following weekend. And then on the 22nd, the police said they think it was a car crash. And they claimed that they had had this suspicion that they had persons of interest the whole time. Um, granted, there's actually no mention of these persons of interest before uh, before June 22nd, 2005. But apparently, allegedly, they had them. Um, at the very latest, at the very earliest, I think it might have been like June 18th that there was anything. But yeah, so as soon as, as soon as it becomes clear that Todd's family is not going to give up searching for him, and they have enlisted the aid of the Missing You Foundation, which means that they could end up having unlimited resources if enough people find out about this to continue searching for Todd, uh, as soon as it becomes clear that there is a legitimate civilian interest in finding Todd Guy, they say he was hit by a car and buried somewhere, and they have reason to believe this. 
So that, that second big search, which would have had, again, over a thousand people and helicopters, gets called off. They spend about a week looking at cars, uh, checking with body shops, following up on, on those who left the party. And they find not a single shred of evidence that Todd was hit by a car. In fact, there were only two car accidents that night that they could track down. Uh, one of them wasn't even in the same county. It was a person who had attended the party, but it was in Kent County, so it was east of where Todd would have been. The other one, uh, I, I can't remember the exact details, but it was very clear that Todd was not involved. I don't think the police ever actually did think he was hit by a car. I think they needed a way to shut the parents up. Because I think whatever happened here, either the police knew they couldn't solve it, it was somebody who was involved with the police, or the feds told them not to. Those are the only three options I can think of here for why Todd Guide's case was not further investigated. And I think it is disgusting that the police lied to his parents, lied to this community. Uh, I think it's very interesting that the Muskegon County Sheriff was not the, the lead investigator here. I know they don't have the resources that the Michigan State Police have, but uh, they couldn't tell me anything. It sounds like the Michigan State Police got there and basically told them that, uh, that they had no, no authority. I also, uh, the title of this video was pretty, uh, pretty, pretty inflammatory. Did the Michigan State Police cover up a murder? I have a lot of people from Michigan in my comments saying, yeah, yeah, the Michigan State Police are corrupt as can be. Uh, I had somebody say they're the second most corrupt police department, if you want to call them that, in the country after the Los Angeles uh, Police Department. <laughs> I, I am I am astonished. I am disgusted, horrified. They lied to this family. They knew there was no car crash. Uh, and And that became very clear to me over the last few days. There was no car crash. They never thought there was a car crash. They needed something that was plausible, that they could say happened to Todd, to get people to stop looking for him. And I think that when he was found, they didn't expect it. I don't... The car crash story is so ridiculous when you look at the facts of the case that I think they did not expect Todd to show up. So when Todd does show up, and he's got a, a lethal level of antidepressants in his system, far beyond anything that would ever be prescribed, like the, the amount of disipramine he had in his system alone was enough to kill him. The amitriptyline wasn't even necessary. Uh, now, giving him both ensured that he would have heart failure. Giving him both and alcohol ensured he would die. There was no way Todd was surviving that cocktail. The canoe full of beers makes it seem to me like they uh, they probably did the, the drinking part on the water. Or, at the very least, took all the cans and dropped them in there. But here's the kicker. The cans were never tested for DNA. They never looked to see if Todd's saliva was on any of the cans. The Michigan State Police also did not interview either of the people who found Todd or the two people on the lake the night prior. The Michigan State Police showed so little interest in evidence in this case when it was immediately available to them 
that you can't even call it negligence. It seems like it was on purpose. And I feel comfortable saying this because I'm not from Michigan and I don't need to care about what the Michigan State Police think. Um, I, I really don't care. <laughs> uh, I hope they see this video. I hope they see the, the, the one we put out on Friday because uh, I want to make it very clear that whoever they have fooled, they don't have me fooled. And by extension, they don't have 300,000 of you fooled. And that's where the change might come. Because when you look at what happened with Ty, in 2005, they had all the evidence at their fingertips to show that he, uh, he, did, not, he did not get into that lake accidentally. He was very obviously murdered. It's not even a question. And then in 2009, you have this letter that gets sent by, uh, I believe it was Trish DeAngelis, who was a, uh, a Manhattan, I want to say, prosecutor, uh, a New York district attorney. She gets together with some forensic, uh, forensic pathologists, some medical examiners, some other experts in, in uh, forensics and in, in murder cases. And they come to the conclusion, over 200 of them come to the conclusion. In fact, it seems like it was probably like a unanimous thing. At an international medical examiner conference, 200 people came to the conclusion, experts, that Todd was in that water. I think it was like one person said it could have been five days. The general consensus was 48 to 72 hours that he was in the water. So that is one medical examiner from the Michigan State Police that says Todd was in that water 21 days. And that's 200 independent medical examiners who say he wasn't. I'm going to take the 200 independent examiners. Now, they send that, uh, that evidence over to the Michigan State Police and to uh, Tony Tague, who was, I believe, the Attorney General. And they say, hey, we strongly believe you should reopen this as a homicide case. Uh, Nov, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't even tell you how much more than the lethal limit was. It was just every, every pharmacist who looked at this, and especially the one that was interviewed by uh, Smiley Face Killers crew, um, every single one of them said that this would absolutely have rendered him at the very least unconscious, uh, probably would have killed him especially when you mix the amitriptyline and disipramine and the alcohol. Those three together are a cocktail that will kill you. Um, I don't know what the exact number was. I, I just don't. I don't know what the exact uh, dosage over the, the lethal amount it would have been. But uh, the police were given this report, this, this letter, all of the reasoning. And uh, Dr. Joyce DeYoung... I said DeJong in the uh, the video. It's DeYoung, apparently. Dr. Joyce DeYoung looked at it and said, well, in my opinion, none of this is evidence. So now we have two medical examiners versus 200. Uh, still a 100 to 1 ratio. I don't know how it is that you can look at all of the facts and the fact that there was no water in Todd's lungs. I know dry drowning is a possibility. Uh, about 20% of drownings are dry drownings. Todd was also not decomposed enough to have drowned in that water the night of. So 
he did not drown in the water accidentally. He did not wander into that lake. That I want to. I, I know I keep harping on it, but that is the linchpin of this case. Todd was not in the water for 21 days. Absolutely not. Uh, I know a lot of true crime channels. We're not one of those. We're a, an unsolved mystery channel. A lot of true crime channels have a tendency to take what the police say and uh, and and believe it. And I think this is a large problem with the missing 401 phenomenon and David Politis, who I do respect quite a bit. But I think David's main problem is that he makes the assumption that the police are honest and diligent because he was a police officer. And I think he wants to give the impression that police officers uh, are always hardworking and always out to do the best job. And I know that there are good cops out there, but uh, it seems there is not a single one in the Michigan State Police because it's just so obvious to everyone what happened here. I... Uh, it's just hard. Um, it's hard to think about it. And then in 2019, 10 years later, uh, Smiley Face Killers gets Michigan State uh, University forensic entomologist Dr. Eric Benbow to run a study with pig carcasses. Pigs decompose very similarly to humans. He puts a bunch of pig carcasses into a similar pond in Michigan. In two days, it showed signs of decomposition. In three days, there were large insect colonies. In five days, uh, significant decomposition. In 21 days, there was essentially nothing left of the body, and it what was left was covered in algae slime. When Todd was found, his body was completely intact. He had no insect colonies, and no not even a sign of insects, and no algal slime. So, uh, no. He was not in the water for 21 days. They sent this information again to the Michigan State Police, to the prosecutor, and they said, please, please reopen this case. It is, this is concrete evidence that Todd was not in that water for 21 days. According to the show, Michigan State Police said that they were strongly reconsidering classifying this as a homicide. It's now been four years. Todd's case is still considered an accidental drowning. There is no possibility that Todd drowned accidentally. He was murdered. The Michigan State Police knowingly and deliberately lied to Todd Guide's family and the entire Casnovia Township community, possibly putting more lives at risk to say this was an accidental drowning because they could not be bothered to do their jobs, to do the one thing they are paid to do. I'm sure they, uh, I'm sure they gave out plenty of tickets that summer. I'm sure they, uh, they sent a lot of kids to jail for smoking pot. I'm sure that they, uh, that they arrested a lot of jaywalkers. I'm sure they enforced every single law that does nothing but cause harm to people who have done nothing wrong. Except maybe speeding. But let's be realistic. Speed limits are archaic and useless anyways. Um, you know, interestingly enough, uh, even the people who were involved in DUI incidents that night did not get arrested from what I can tell. I don't know, maybe the one guy who was actually working on the case, Lieutenant, um, uh, it's escaping me right now, but the first guy, maybe he actually did care. Maybe he did try. 
But it's very clear to me that at the very least, at the management level, the Michigan State Police are awful at their jobs or they're corrupt or they're both. I'm, I'm disgusted. I would strongly encourage all 621 of you watching this show right now uh, to, to write to the Michigan State Police and admonish them. Uh, because here's, here's the facts of the matter. The government does not have your back. The government does not exist to serve you. Government exists to convince you that it is doing you a service, while what it's really doing is robbing you blind and redistributing your money to a bunch of parasites. That is what the police are protecting, especially the state police. Now, in Pennsylvania, I've actually had great experiences with our state police. They seem to genuinely care. I, I was issued a ticket last year for having expired uh, inspection and expired, and, uh, and it turned out that my registration was also expired. I got uh, basically a warning. I was given a ticket and told, hey, if you, uh, if you do go get this fixed, I'm going to wipe this away. Don't worry about it. Just, just go get the car's registration and inspection up to date and you're good to go. So I did. No ticket. No points against my license. Nothing. And then there's Michigan where they won't even investigate a murder. Uh... So, yeah, there are good cops, but there's a whole lot more bad ones, um, especially at the state and federal level. Uh, you know, it's, these are not good people. They're, they exist primarily to serve the ends of what is essentially an organized crime family that has monopoly on violence. If they will not look at this, if you're in, if you're from Michigan and you're familiar with this case, if they won't look at this and call it a homicide, you're shit out of luck because they're not going to care when your family member dies. They're not going to care when you die. They're not going to care when anybody dies, unless of course it's a public figure or somebody who's, uh, who's, you know, funding their paychecks. They're not good people. Um, and I think that just needs to be said. Obviously, I'm not I'm not going to be that hard on anybody in our our Friday videos. I'll do it in in these ones, where I I have the where I, I try to be as factual and objective in the Friday videos as possible. If you can't tell, here's where I let my own thoughts run a little bit. But I uh, yeah, I mean, when I look at this, Todd Guy was very obviously murdered. There is not a doubt in my mind. There's not a doubt in anybody's mind. In fact, I think there's not a doubt in the Michigan State Police's mind. I think every single officer who is involved in this case knows he was murdered. And every day that those who know that remain silent, they are complicit. And the next time this happens, it will be their fault. The blood will be on their hands. And it's why I think that it's very likely that the smiley face killers, uh, whether the smiley face is involved or not. Now, keep in mind, out of the 45 cases designated as smiley face killers cases, only about a dozen involved smiley faces. I think the smiley faces are a pure coincidence, but I don't think the profile of these deaths is. What we've got here is college-aged males, typically white, uh, attractive, successful, athletes, good grades, you know, you're looking at people who basically, you know, would be, would be the targets of envy. 
So that's the way that that's why I think that. I mean, let me knowing so little about any case but this one, I'll, I'll lay it out like this. The profile of these killings is the the popular kid in high school. The popular kid in college. I think this is probably not a serial killer. What I do think it may be is a group of people who found community probably online. If you look at when these cases start up, it's around 1990. Um, I think that, you know, in the 90s, as the internet was rising in popularity, I think you you had a community develop of people who wanted revenge for the stuff they went through in high school. Like, think about, uh, think about 4chan, Tumblr, Reddit, any internet message board, especially the ones that are kind of like un uncensored and unmonitored. So particularly 4chan comes to mind, but Tumblr and Reddit also, uh, you know, also spring to mind, especially if we're talking, you know, the, the olden days. And I know those weren't around yet. I know we're still talking about, you know, message rooms and stuff like that, AIM and, and the like. But uh, yeah, it's uh. To me, that is my my working theory, is this is a group of people who found community online and decided on a way to target people who resembled or perhaps were the people that tortured, that, that tortured them in high school or perhaps that they were just envious of. Go on even Twitter and you will see people replying to photos of attractive or successful people with just utter malice, just hatred, people they don't even know, because they remind them that they're not good-looking or they're not successful. They remind them that they are, in their opinion, flawed. And I think what you had happen was that, that, that a community developed of people who decided to get back. I could be wrong, but when I look at the profile of the victims and when I look at the spread of the cases and the timing, that makes the most sense to me. If we had smiley face killer cases dating back consistently to the, the 80s and the 70s, I would probably not have the same opinion. Currently, though, it kind of is is the age of the Internet. So that's where I'm I'm sitting right now. I'm thinking we're probably looking at highly intelligent if socially awkward killers. Um, you know, I don't think these are sociopaths. I think this is emotional. I think this is revenge. But I think it's revenge against a proxy. We'll see. Um, as far as Todd Guyves' case goes, I don't think the police were necessarily involved. I do think that they're incompetent. I do think that they're corrupt. And I do think that once they realized that they were not going to solve this case, they thought it was better to torpedo any chance of the case ever being solved than to actually try and solve it. So if anyone in the Michigan State Police uh, hears of this and, and you'd like to fess up or perhaps defend the behavior, go for it. Um, I would love I would love to hear. And I, I, look, I would love to be wrong.
I would love to be wrong. I don't think I am. Uh, you know, with that, with that said, I do want to pull up, I know we got some super chats, so I do want to pull those guys up and, uh, and go take a look. Let's see, viewer activity. Here we go. Um, uh, so I, okay, cool. All right. So, uh, we've got one from Ben Krasniak, who has been a member for four months. Also, if you have not become a member of the channel, you can do so by uh, just clicking the little, there's a little join icon on the screen. You can click that. Uh, it's $5 a month. It just supports us a little bit. I'm thinking we'll add in a $1 tier. Uh, you know, I want to, I want to maybe adjust what's there. But yeah, so I'll add in a $1 tier. Um, that's what I have for my personal channel as well. I do, while there's a bunch of you here, I also want to ask, um, when you watch our Friday videos, please, 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 please hit the like button because the the extent to which YouTube factors in likes to the videos uh, is very indicative of how the video, how well the video will do. Um... I, I know, I, I have always tried to avoid saying, hey, uh, please like the video because I don't want to ask you to like something you haven't watched yet. But if you're a regular viewer, you like what our channel does and you want to help us grow, uh, liking those videos during the premiere is one of the best things you can do. If you see it not during the premiere, still liking it, that ratio of this person, you know, if, if currently right now, like I can actually take a look for you just really quickly while I do this. Um, if I go to YouTube, uh, let's see the, the Todd guy one. Let me, let me go find that. My computer's running so slowly, but if we go and we snag the Todd guide video, that one has about 71,000 views and about 4.6 thousand likes. So about a 5% like rate. We if we could see like a 10% like rate on these things, Google would probably show our video to double the people. So that's not me like admonishing anybody. It's just like, I, I know that I forget to like videos and I've made a conscious effort to do it. And I just, I know that those of you who are here watching this right now that you watch cause you, you like uh, what we do, you like us and you want us to succeed. So when it comes to those, those Friday videos, I just, I needed to say something. This is something that YouTube told me directly on Twitter recently was, Tell people to like the videos. Tell people to turn on all notifications. Now, it shouldn't be on me or on you to tell YouTube uh, that a channel with 300,000 subscribers is a channel that people tune into. But unfortunately, uh, that is the case. So, is what it is. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like asking this of you, but I, f I, I feel like I maybe need to um, for, the sake of, for the sake of YouTube. You guys are probably the last ones that that I need to tell this to, but yeah, uh, we'll probably add in a little, like, you know, remember to like, and subscribe animation throughout the video from now on. But I just wanted to bring it up while I had the opportunity. I also see the like counter going up right now. So thank you guys. Um, but yeah, uh, so to, to get back to the super chats now, uh, he said, Ben said, uh, Oh, okay. Uh, Hey Thornbussy in episode 47 of the podcast, you said you got choked by a Spanish man the night previous. Part two, this was during a Pride Month celebration. Any follow-up or are you going to leave us in the dark? Uh, I will remind him of that one next week when he's back. Uh, ben also said, Pride Month celebration with a bunch of men. Forgot that part. <laughs> I actually don't remember this. 
Uh, all right. So thank you, Ben. Uh, Kellen for 20 said, what do you expect from a group that works from the government that has no duty to protect and immune from lawsuit due to case law and qualified immunity? Hell yes, brother. Yeah, brother. Uh, I am right there with you. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you being, being somebody who works for the government, I'm glad that you recognize this. Uh, Ryan Whitcup for 13 said, happy belated, my guy. Here's for that tough loss yesterday. Go blue. Oh, oh, it hurts. Oh, it hurts. Fire James Franklin. They actually, they actually fired our offensive coordinator and didn't fire James Franklin. As if the offensive coordinator who hasn't been here for the last 10 years that we've been mediocre against Ohio State and Michigan is the problem. Uh, James Franklin is the problem. Hey, Penn State, I... I'm I'm on track to to make quite a bit of money in my lifetime. You will not get a penny until James Franklin is fired or until the medieval studies program gets full funding. Uh either one, but it's a lot easier for you to fire Franklin, I would think. Um let's see. Uh and then uh Ryan also said, "Where can I find the PO address?" It is Phoenixville box 937. Fe so box 937, Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. 19460 we recently picked up uh something that kellen shipped over he gave us some bucket hats uh some some boonie hats um they are beautiful i love them let's see uh okay having two hours from your town you're very familiar with m37 i assume m37 is kind of like uh 76 here in philly uh it's like goes seems like it goes straight south to grand rapids so i assume it's kind of like that um maybe quite not quite as busy because 76 is the interstate but um Pumpkin Bear 7 said, Tommy Booth from Woodland, PA is a possible victim. Woodland, PA. Where is that? Woodland's close. I knew that sounded close. That's right uh, near Swarthmore. So Woodland, actually, I've got it pulled up right now. I mean, that's... I'll have to look that up. You said Tommy Booth? Was he a... Oh! He's a smiley face killers. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's, that is definitely, that's that. I'm not even kidding. When I tell you Swarthmore is maybe 30 minutes from here. Um, I didn't realize that there were cases in Pen in Pennsylvania, especially this far East. This is not the Midwest. Um, you, you could make an argument that like Pittsburgh could be considered Midwest, but Philadelphia is as East coast as it gets. Um, so that's very interesting to me. I'll take a look at that. Uh, again, you know, I, I don't think this is a serial killer. I also don't think it's organized crime in the traditional sense. And I think the reason that uh, the smiley face killers theory detectives, uh, Gannon and Duarte, I think that the reason they're struggling to find the connection they're looking for uh, is, is because they are looking at gangs. They're looking at gang and serial killer activity. I think they need to be looking at internet. Uh, there's a whole new kind of gang out there. You can, you can organize these things over the internet and they don't need to be, you know, drug related or something like that. So, uh, let's see. Mr. Rose for five said, going to watch this later, but I love your videos. Weird Bible has helped me with faith. I've watched every video and we'll soon sub to Patreon. Well, thank you. Uh, Weird Bible should be coming back. I, I will simply tell you at this point, you need to pester Isaiah. <laughs> um, he is a very busy man. And I know he is doing his best, but uh, it is it is hard to to schedule. So you guys you guys need to remind him. Um, I am I am aware. I'm trying, 
but uh, getting that scheduled, especially because I got to fly down to New Orleans, um, and I, uh, you know, there's just a bunch of stuff we got to do for it. Uh, so yeah, um, but gently, I, I don't want you guys to be like Aiden said, go pester you, but if you want, if you want more weird Bible, it's, you, you got to make sure that, that it's on his radar because even for, even for friends and people he does, he does content with, it's the guy's busy. He's got a lot going on and you know, the most important things in his life are, are his wife and his YouTube channel. So, you know, that's, I, I can't blame him for not being, for not being super responsive about it. Um, but yeah, if you guys remind him, it probably would help us get more scheduled um distorted games said hey i know you already covered this case but you should check out the murder with my husband's uh check out murder with my husband's brandon swanson episode it's on apple Podcasts. i'd like to hear your thoughts on their take of the case uh yeah i can definitely listen to it um and uh you know is it if it's a video podcast i could do a i could do it on uh on the the personal channel for one of the live streams uh also if you haven't checked it out yet the personal channel i lot it's the at aiden Matt or at the aiden mattis the channel's aiden mattis over there uh on tuesdays we do uh reaction style commentary style videos where we'll pull up uh unsolved mystery stuff and try and solve it in real time or we will uh react to analog horror or something like that i take i take suggestions also on that channel there will be uh, a monthly members only live stream that you can attend if you're at the $1 tier and you can vote on the topic at the $5 tier of memberships. That's kind of how I'm, I'm making the switch over from, from Twitch to YouTube work. So yeah, there's that. And of course on that channel, Fridays uh, is you sub I drink, which also works with you super chat. Uh, so more options there. Um, but yeah, I can definitely take a look at it. Murder with my husband, Brandon Swanson. Uh, any, you don't have to super chat this, but any, uh, anything I should be like on the lookout for, like what's, uh, what's, why is there's interesting, I guess. Uh, Nove, I got yours. Um, Cake said for five, I go hiking all over the Midwest and around this area. I sometimes get overwhelmingly creepy vibes. That's why I carry. Yeah. Uh, if, if it's legal, always, always carry. It's just better to be prepared. You know? If it's not legal, then obviously don't. But if you're living in a place where it's not legal to carry a firearm for personal protection, you're probably in a place you shouldn't be living. Uh, like New York, I strongly recommend any of you that live in Manhattan leave now. Uh, Mo McDonald for five said, uh, Aiden, please do a video letting anyone know that you're not planning any suicides anytime soon. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I'm not. Uh, I, I don't. I, I don't like that I have to say this as frequently as I do, but uh, no, uh, I am happy with my life. I am not on any prescription medications as of right now. I am not. Uh, I, I I am not even at this point in therapy for depression anymore because I'm I'm happy. Life is going well. I have a wonderful girlfriend. I have a fantastic dog, uh, and I am coming to love my girlfriend's dog as well, even though she and I have had, uh, not me and my girlfriend, me and the dog have had some squabbles. Uh, but um, yeah, I have a great family. I have a great life. The only thing that I'm upset about is my student loans, but you know, what can you do about that? Um, you know, even if I did die, I'm pretty sure those just passed to like my next of kin. Uh, so don't worry, I am not planning on going anywhere. If I do, I uh, well, you know who did it. Um, and at this point, it probably was not the National Park Service. I think we're I think me and the National Park Service are chill now. Uh, 
But no, I don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, Party like 1776 said, as a Michiganer, I can confirm our stadies are worse than the useless and corrupt as F, and we'll just shat down local cups who are decent, but underpaid and easily pushed by politics. Yeah, that's kind of my opinion. The, the reply I got from the Muskegon County uh, sheriff very much made it feel like their hands were tied. Uh, so, you know, I, I understand that. And of course, you know, sheriff is usually a locally elected position. Like, I, I can't hold it against them. Um, but yeah, uh, let me take a look and see if, okay, yep. Uh, Tamer Nigel for Canadian 699 said, it does make me wonder why they, ah, what exactly they kept Todd alive for, for that length of time. I would wonder if the autopsy checked for any kind of sexual trauma. Uh, given that Todd was a male and it was 2005, I find it unlikely they would have checked for that. I uh, also just given the, the sheer lack of interest from the police i doubt they checked for that either the other problem is that uh when you do dump a body into water that body was probably only in there for 12 hours but it does tend to wash away certain signs of things also i think the people who killed him would have taken care to ensure that any evidence wasn't left behind i don't think that that was involved though um, it just, it doesn't strike me as the profile here. I, uh, so far as I can tell that none of the other cases involved that either. Um, I don't think that that's what this was about. Uh, it might be, I'm not going to say no, but I don't, looking at it, I don't think so. Uh, the real William White says, <laughs> hang on, I lost it. This is why we have an FBI agent. Probably. I mean, I've called out the FBI on a number of occasions now, especially with the Charles McCuller case where they were just pathetic. Um, See, Catherine Lopez for $4.99 uh, sent a, a wavy emoji. Thank you. Uh, Walter, Melt, Wal Walter Melon, I love that, uh, for $10 says, Love the uploads. Finally able to catch a live. While back, you were asking for ways to get on the algorithm good sides. How about you change Missing 401 to Hide and Seek All-Stars? Uh, Missing 401 actually is one of the better terms for us. Um, the other... The other one that's uh, typically does well is like mentioning censorship. Uh, you know, it's kind of irritating that we're that we're in a box. I uh, like drives me nuts that uh, that YouTube did not show our video on the Banshee or our video on Halloween to anybody. Uh, the impressions were super low, which sucks. But you know, it is what it is. Uh, da 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 da. Kellen said for 556, so the smiley face killers are the ones that didn't become cops. <laughs> yeah, seems like it, maybe. Uh, Miss Maury for 10 said, my problem with the group of killers theory is that the more people you have in on a secret, the harder it is to keep that secret and people on the internet love to brag. I don't see them being able to. That is a very, 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 very good point. That is a good point. Um, like I said, I'm just not sure. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna need to find more where there's at least a dozen of these cases that are very well documented uh so we're probably going to do at least one a month for the next year or so uh and and we're going to cap it all off like we did with missing 401 we will cap off our investigation once we feel like we've gathered enough information 
with a, a video that kind of goes into the cases, says, all right, these are the ones that are really compelling. These are the ones that are iffy, and these are the ones that we think aren't, aren't a, a real case. So yeah, uh, that's how that's going to go down. Um, Gone Ben Krasniak said, uh, is this enough for you to make me a level 35 Mason? <laughs> $2? No. Uh, also, there's no level 35 Masons. Um, there is a weird, like, conspiracy theory that it goes all the way up to 99 that is hilarious to me i uh, just i don't think you guys realize the level of effort that would have to go into that uh masonic degrees are not the kind of thing where you take a written exam and get given a degree uh there's like a dozen or more people involved in putting on an entire play so 99 would be a lot of degrees i uh, 33 is probably enough. <laughs> also, uh, 33rd degree Masons uh, are, are an honorary title. Um, it's not really, as far as I'm aware, connected to, to anything. But uh, then again, very few 33rd degree Masons out there. So it's it's hard to say without being one precisely what they go through. But I don't think it's all that, uh, all that big a deal uh, as people think it is. <laughs> we'll see. We'll find out. Um... We are trying to get an interview with the Grand Master of Pennsylvania. Uh, we'll see if we can. Um, Emma Lester for two said, uh, would you ever look into the Chiron Horman case? Chiron Horman. Uh, okay. Disappeared from Skyline Elementary School in Portland, Oregon. Entertaining a science fair. Conducted an exhaustive search and launched a criminal investigation, but have not uncovered any significant information regarding the child's whereabouts. I can certainly look into it. Um... I can absolutely look into it. I'll have to, I'll have to see. Um, I mean, the, the one that immediately comes to mind is unfortunately child trafficking. Um, he's a little, a little older than the target age, but wouldn't be shocking. Laura Townsend for $200. Sheesh. Thank you. Wow. I really, wow. You did not have to do that, but thank you so much. Um, that was that was so kind of you wow um thanks for this have always assumed multiple killers but i am no one else so please check message please check missing men from east coast illegal nightclub seems like an offshoot um wow thank you so much i uh, that that was really nice of you um that that really that was really kind um and yeah i can i can take a look at it uh because i know there's the one guy uh, I want to say Schaefer, Brian Schaefer, I think, who did disappear from a nightclub. Um, so yeah, wouldn't be shocked if if there were if this extended further. And again, you know, I, Kevin Gannon and Anthony Duarte, they're they're New York City cops. Uh, my guess is they're probably thinking the way a New York City cop would. I'm gonna think the way a true crime YouTuber, unsolved mystery YouTuber would. And we'll see if that gets us different places. Um, also, not going to lie, I probably have a larger audience than the Oxygen Network. Um, uh, let's see. Um, Kellen says, it wasn't me, I swear to all my gods. <laughs> all dragons are sluts, says for five. In the words of Wendigoon, if I unalive myself, uh, no, I didn't. Yes, precisely. You get it. Um... F up the Brooklyn follow up the Brooklyn Mirage illegal dance club. All right, Brooklyn Mirage in Mirage illegal 
Dance Club. All right. Illegal venues in the years leading up to the pan leading up. Oh, okay. So that's what it was from. Um, people being banned from the club. Interesting. There's a lot of comments about people being banned from strange. All right. Yeah, I'll have to take a look at that. That's weird. Um, Jim Fish said, uh, for $10, my friend and I are planning a spooky cryptid road trip in April in Appalachia. What are some things you recommend we do? Well, do not go off into the woods. That would be the big one. Um, that, that would in fact be the big one. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it depends if, are you, if you're doing the whole Appalachian trail, um, I would highly, highly recommend, uh, the, the Gatlinburg and Sevierville area. Uh, I was down there with Wendigoon last November, um, around this time, actually. And it, it was just gorgeous. There was a ton to do, a ton of cool stuff. And it's got kind of that local folklore about the, ton of, the, the tree men and the Tennessee wild men. Um, then once you get up into the, the Maryland area and, uh, and Virginia and West Virginia, then you've got some more, uh, some more witch stuff. That, that sort of area has a lot of, uh, you know, very specific witchcraft traditions. Obviously, the Bell Witch House is uh, west of the Appalachians, but it's it's over there and in Tennessee. Uh, getting down into Georgia, Alabama, you've got Nalusafalaya, which is a, uh, a Cherokee, not Cherokee, a Choctaw legend. It means the long shadow. Uh, you got that, which is a cool one. Um, allegedly, uh, if you walk through its woods at night, you don't come out. Uh, that would be, that would be another good one. And, um, once you get into Pennsylvania, it's not quite as spooky, uh, but there's still plenty to do. Uh, if you're, if you're driving through, I mean, state college is a wonderful place to go visit and it's got plenty of spooky, like ghost stuff. So I, I can't give a ton of like very specific, like locales, but I can tell you that, you know, if you're, if you're going up and down, you, you want to ask the locals, you want to ask, you know, what, what are the... Pull, pull a, pull an RPG game, walk into a local bar and be like, Hey, you heard any rumors? You know, um, something like that, you know, ask somebody, obviously don't go like accost local people who don't care, but go check out this, uh, the historical society. Somebody brought up Mothman. Yes. Mothman in West Virginia. I can't believe that slipped my mind. Uh, if you, if you go to Point Pleasant, they got tons of Mothman stuff. So definitely check that out. Um, let's see. Jose Perez for five said, off topic, any chance the daughter party, oh, excuse me, Woo. we're going through starvation and rabbit starvation at the same time from eating venison and human. So venison won't give you rabbit starvation. Venison has enough fat in it. It doesn't have a ton, but it's got enough. Um, also, they did have oxen. So uh, I, I would, I would, I would guess that they probably... Now, granted, at the time that they got to eating people, they probably were dealing with a degree of, you know, rabbit starvation. For those who don't know, uh, rabbit starvation is the uh, the phenomenon where despite eating, having a, a good supply of food, you don't have the nutrition. You don't have the nutrients necessary to actually get the nutrients from the food. Um, get the nutrients. 
basically rabbits are really lean meat and you can eat tons of rabbit and never have enough fat in your diet to actually process the vitamins and minerals and things that your body needs to survive uh i don't think that was the issue in this case uh but you know again uh, you know they were going through so much so uh, sheesh uh, Mo McDonald for five said, please turn around and fix the crooked picture behind you for all our sakes. Uh, I mean, there's not much I can do here. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just not, it's not attached well. <laughs> um, I will, I will attach it with something better. Uh, I think it was one of our mods is made that for us. Um, and I just need to, it's, it's on a picture frame. I think I need to take it off the back and just slap it on the wall. Also, this is like, this is an actual wood behind me, so uh, can't, it's not going to just nail it in there. Drywall. Um, Ryan Whitcup for five said, order is placed. Hope you enjoy. Not the most aggressive whiskey, but not a bad one to enjoy. Ooh, I am excited. I am excited. Um, Laura Townsend for 20 said, also all near water, some gay, some not. All lovely, successful guys that would cause much envy. Police ignored first gay guy, then got then press got involved as a nice white guy disappeared. Also, boom, 500 for November. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, this is this is the birth. This is a good birthday weekend for me, um, especially since I have to pay my own health insurance now. <laughs> Happy 26th to me. Uh, Ace the Horse Mom 556 said, watching by horseback under the stars. Lore Lodge is life. Oh. Oh, that does sound nice. Also, I'm glad Lord Lodge is life. Um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, let me uh, let me look through these these chats and see if there's anything that comes up. Um, Steve Dory says, "Pretty sure 33rd degree. You have to get pegged for an hour without making a single sound." Well, I. Uh, if I ever leave Freemasonry, I I can assure you it won't be because I got pegged. <laughs> I will leave before I get pegged, but I don't think that's a thing. Uh, we are going to be having uh, uh, Brother Benjamin back on the show uh, at some point soon, probably to talk about Freemasonry during the Civil War, which I think is going to be a cool topic. Uh, hoping to get that in the next month or so. And next weekend, we have Ashton Forbes who is the guy who's making a lot of noise about MH370 right now. I've been looking into it. Uh, you know, we've got, that's going to be our video this upcoming Friday is going to be MH370. Uh, kind of everything that happened. We're going to go through a little bit more of the, the down and dirty details than the Netflix documentary did. Um, my opinion right now is that, uh, is that the flight was shot down um, by either the American or Chinese governments and that uh that was covered up to avoid an international incident um the other possibility that comes to mind is uh that there was an error in the process of getting the flight going and that malaysian airlines uh was basically on the verge of bankruptcy when this happened and did not want people to know that the plane had crashed as a result of their failures. Now, the reason I think that's less likely is that Imarstat, 
or Imarsat, a, uh, a satellite company that works with the British government, uh, claims they tracked the plane south for like six hours. Um, that's that's why I lean more towards possibly the United States government or the Australian government's being involved, uh, or by, or the British government. Um, this was a plane that had 150, 153 Chinese citizens on it. Um, a lot of them worked for Motorola in Perth, I want to say. Do the math. Motorola is an American tech company. They had Chinese employees who were heading back to China. It's possible that maybe one of them was somebody that the United States or NATO in general didn't want making it to China. Um, it would be drastic, but if if somebody had smuggled something on board that plane, uh, I'll, I'll go into it in the video, but there's some weirdness with the lithium-ion batteries. Uh, hard to say but yeah that's who we're having on next week uh i i think that i i think that either this was i think a government did this basically that's my current opinion ashen has a similar opinion but his is not that the plane disappeared his is not that the plane was shot down but that the plane was basically abducted using wormhole technology uh which i'm more skeptical about but i'm interested to see what his evidence is and and hear him out you know um so I did see a, a few more of these came through. Give me one second. Uh, Jeffrey Wilson Messer said, have you had a chance to look into the translucent humanoid or glimmer man phenomenon? It has some relevance to missing form on one. I briefly did. Uh, I feel like there was not enough for me to make a full length video on it, but I will, I will look again. I'll, uh, I'll pull that up. Um, I forget exactly what it was. Um, Glimmerman or Predator sightings. Yeah, there we go. Um, yeah, I, re I recall that. It was the translucent human. Yeah, I'll take a, a, a little bit more of a look into it. Um, Ben says, okay, fine. 33 minutes. This is my final offer. I'll, I'll talk to the boys upstairs. Um, Jose Perez says, Smiley Face is international with Manchester Pusher. I'll have to look into that one too. That would give a lot more credence to the theory that this is an internet-based thing. Um, Caden Davis for five said, been binging all of your videos to make it through college homework. Fantastic content. Keep up the good work. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Uh, Ace the Horse Mom says, if you're in uh, WI, is that uh, Wisconsin, right? Y'all can come ride the Mustangs. I We do need to go, we do need to go up to Wisconsin and Michigan and, and do some on the ground stuff. We just don't have the money right now. Hopefully, uh, hopefully soon. We had the money until student loans started up again. <laughs> so, thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, Mo McDonald for five said, I will leave before I get pegged. Aiden Mattis t-shirt, please. Yeah, I think that actually would be a good t-shirt, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, let's see. Also, chat says use command strips for your unruly painting. We do. We do. It's, it's command stripped up right now. Just not working very well. Uh, no, please don't come to Michigan. Why? <laughs> uh, okay. Um, 
All right. And Evan Quintrell for 20 just says, I love you. Well, thank you, Evan. I love you too. <laughs> it's not worth it, he says. <laughs> oh, boy, I love that. Um, let's see. Uh, See, uh, it was told a story by a local deputy about a suicide in the 70s or 80s found by the local PD 15 miles outside of town. Two rounds back of the head found kneeling on the railroad track in a swamp, no gun. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, so, so, uh, somebody else commented about a case they were familiar with where a man and a woman were both arrested. Uh, there were two cops. One cop went to take the man away. Uh, when he came back, the woman who was handcuffed had two gunshots in the back of the head and uh, it was ruled a suicide. Which, like, no. <laughs> no. Um, absolutely not. Uh, any good myths of the Klamath River area you know of? So not the Klamath River necessarily, but the, the Klamath, uh, the traditionally Klamath lands, uh, there's a lot to do with Mount Shasta. Mount Shasta is uh, central to some Klamath mythology. It also seems to be kind of a nexus point for some weird Missing 401 style stuff. Uh, there's the story of the other grandma, and then, of course, there's all the, the Klamath Native American legends. You get some stuff that sounds a little bit like it might be kind of Bigfoot related. Um, but yeah, those would be my, my immediate go-tos, would be look into the, the folklore surrounding Mount Shasta, Ignore basically anything after 1960 because that's when all the weird people got involved. But uh, if, you, if you look at the Native American stuff, there's some very interesting stories. Um, and of course, there's if you look at uh, God, what is the name of the video? We have a missing 401 video that deals with Mount Shasta. Probably one we should go and uh, look into those cases again because I think it's pretty old. Uh, it's before we, we had the level of depth and I had the time to research that I do now. So... Um, but I will take a look at it. Uh, da, 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 da. <laughs> Go blue. Ugh. Well, you know what? We would you guys really be ten and zero? Would you guys really be ten and zero? Is it nine and zero or ten and zero? I think ten and zero. If it weren't for the whole signal stealing thing, come on, come on. Let's be. Come on. Y'all were cheating all year. We're still giving Belichick shit for it years later. Harbaugh is gonna get it too. Um, yeah. Okay. We are right in the middle of the scene. I know the guy with the Airbnbs across the street. Oh, that would be good to know then. Ed Gein. All right. You're making it really, really easy to, uh, to make that trip happen then. We might have to. Yeah. The other grandma was the story, uh, that I was thinking about. I just can't remember the title of the missing 401 video we have. If someone wants to go find it, um, let me see. Let me see. Where is it? Uh, youtube.com, um, Mount Shat. Shasta disappearances. Oh yeah, it's called Missing 401, Mount Shasta disappearances, apparently. Um, oh yeah, that's an old video. My hair is hair. Whoa. And I was a little chunkier. But you know, it's fine. It'd be like that sometimes. Uh, so close that down. And it's before I knew how to say Shasta, yes. Um seed all right and oh thank you tara strickland um let's see but all right lived in mount shasta for 22 years i heard it's i heard it's a really beautiful area but that there's a lot of weird like 
hippie stuff that goes on around there. Um, but yeah, all right. Well, Mount Shatner would be a good name. <laughs> but it is getting towards 8.30 p.m. Uh, so it is it is time to wind down the show. But, uh, you know, thank you guys so much. Uh, Missing Enigma also has one about the grandma story. I thought he put one out recently, actually, you know. But yeah, thank you guys so much for hanging out. I mean, I, I love to see that we had about 600 viewers the whole time. You guys were super generous with the chats tonight, so thank you for that. And, you know, 344 likes already. Thank you guys so much. Uh, this has been a, a great weekend for me. Uh, everybody in my life really came through, and I'm, I'm super grateful for it. Uh, I know she's probably not watching, but just in case it gets back to her, because I know uh, my cousin Megan watches the show. Uh, Abby, happy birthday. Um, you're two days after me, and uh, I miss our I miss our old joint parties. Those were nice. But, uh, you know, hope you had a good weekend, too. And, uh, yeah, you know, thank you guys for hanging out, and I will see you all on the next one, which, of course, will have Ashton Forbes and the return of the Thorn Bussy. Good night, guys.